It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to the Outspoken with White and Jordan podcast. Coming up in today's episode, myself and Simon continue to reflect on England being knocked out of the World Cup as the calls mount on Southgate to resign. We ask why is there a lack of succession planning by the FA? And Niall Cooper, the CEO of Fair Game, he joined us to talk about the government going ahead with its plans for an independent football regulator. Morning, everybody. Okay, let's hear the vocal cords. Morning. morning. Good morning. A little, little bit under the weather this morning. You're yes. like Malcolm in that tune. Indeed. Tunes. All these user tunes. Fortitude, mate. Listen, keep, well keep done, going. mate, because you're here, you're Indeed. with me, and we are in studio on the 17th floor of the news building, pressing good. on, which is good. Uh, a lot to get through this morning, Simon. The first of the semi finals comes around. I don't know about you, I arrived here this morning at 8 o'clock, out London Bridge, out, outside, normally vibrant, busy, bustling. Maybe the the real disputes get something to do with it. Yeah, but I thought this would be one heck of a lot different if England were in the, oh, the semi finals of the World Cup. Of course, you know the the atmosphere around the country is always elevated by the national sport and achievements of the side, and that's why it's very important to get facts correct and to look at the achievements of the England national team in the national sport and to realise how important it is. Uh, you know. Henry Winter was talking about the two most scrutinised people in this country are probably the Prime Minister and the England uh, football manager. <laughs> yes. Because the job represents so much and so much interest. You know, the idea that we have these you know, radio stations that have millions of listeners because they want to hear and talk about football being involved. Yeah. And then somehow football can just be passed off as, oh, we did our best. And, you know, it's interesting to see some of the quotes that we're going to talk about coming out from certain people well, in the yeah. football fraternity exactly. about what they think that looks like. Uh, yeah, I mean, Danny Mills wasn't having any of it yesterday, was he? Yeah, I mean, Danny, you know, maybe he had too much coffee before he came in, but Danny had a very double-down perspective on the fact that, and some of the points he made were right, about you do have to look at everything in the rounds. Yeah. But when you've got a body of work over two-thirds of a decade, and that body of work repeats itself... Every time there's an opportunity, you manage to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. That's what Gareth Southgate has managed to do. He has done lots of things that are very good. 
and very commendable, but alongside that you have to balance it up with a body of work saying, OK, we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory against the Croatians in 2018. We snatched defeat from the jaws of victory against the Italians in the European Championship. And here we were against a depleted Italian side, uh, sorry, French side, with an opportunity to really impose ourselves on the game. And we didn't take it. And people yeah. like Jamie Carragher, I think, were right. You know, he was talking yesterday about after 54 minutes, we had the French on the rack. We had them all over the place. It was upon us to be able to be braver. And maybe changes should have been made then to load up and go, I tell you what, we're in the business of winning. Now, he's right, Danny. Harry Hindsight's the greatest trader in town. But there is an alchemy between winning and losing. And there's something that winners have that losers don't necessarily have. And I think Gareth Southgate is not a loser, but I don't think he's a winner either. Am I living uh, in a world where this morning the stars are aligned between the thoughts of Simon Jordan and Joey Barton? Joey Barton says this on social media, can't believe Southgate hasn't resigned yet. That's two World Cups and a home European Championship we could, should have won. Stop rewarding failure. Got to go. Time to hire somebody who can win. Pizza Hut advert years ago. Enough said. Yeah, I mean, that's low rent. The last bit isn't, last bit, isn't it? What's you he know? doing? Is he fishing here? Well, What's I, the motivation I, I, behind that? I don't know. Jo- Joey Barton obviously thinks he has a view that people want to listen to, and I'm sure they are looking at him lower down the divisions to see his wonderful achievements as a football manager. But he's not necessarily wrong um, in terms... I mean, the, the observation about the Pizza Hut. Yeah, I at the time, I remember 26 years ago, thinking, only in England, only in England could we parody ourselves. After missing an opportunity in a home nations tournament, yeah. do one of our guys put a paper bag over his head and does a pizza hut, pizza hut advert? Mm. But that was then and this is now. Yeah. So I don't really take much notice of what Joey Barton's saying, but I do think... I don't, I don't think that Gareth Southgate um, is going to stay in the England job. I think he's going to resign. That's my view. I think he will pass. Um, but there's also a flip side to this. is the England FA. They wanted him. They gave him a contract before the tournament. All these other managers are being taken out left, right and centre because you know what? The business of football is about getting to World Cup and European Championship tournaments and being successful in it. And at the end of those tournaments, if you're not successful, then somebody else gets a turn at trying to make the nation successful. Well, I mean, do you listen to the likes of Tony Adams, uh, former England captain? I'm fed up with us being plucky losers. After we lost mm. to France, all the talk was, well done, England. Jolly good defeat. Keep your heads high. Uh, and he goes on to say, Gareth doesn't like courage. He has tremendous courage, but he's a good loser. It's hard to say that, but it's the truth. Now, that's hard, isn't it? That's harsh. Well, I mean, I think there is an element of truth about it. You know, right. you show me a good loser, and ultimately I'll show you a loser. And he's right about this. There seems to be this pushback against... we. What did we do in this tournament besides turn up and beat those that we should? And if that's where English football is, we constantly eulogise the domestic powerhouse that is our Premier League. Yeah. This wonderful generation of players that we, I think, overhype at times. Um, but here we are with this with this huge impactful f- game of football in this country, with this huge expectation, and rightly so, with these hugely rewarded footballers that are constantly told, telling us how important they are in our society and what opinions they have of other people's behaviour. And when it comes down to it, here we are constantly coming up short. And so I think Tony is right. Now, obviously, he was a disco dancing manager not so long ago in Spain, so it's difficult <laughs> to take anything, some of the things he says seriously. Yeah. But the point is, is that he's absolutely right. I said it yesterday. A good fight isn't one you put up. It's one you win. 
And we have a tendency to put up a good fight. Let's put up a good fight. It's a load of old pony. Right. Winning is what counts. No one, no one remembers who finished second in any tournament at any time unless they want to be a ridiculous stato. Now, yesterday was yesterday. Let's take it forward today, Simon. Should nations be working towards a succession plan at all times? Why is there not an obvious replacement for England if it is to be the era of post-Southgate? Now, Sam Wallace usually respected uh, football writer in the Daily Telegraph. If Gareth Southgate is to leave six years on, it's a pity that a successful emergency process hasn't been developed into something more sustainable. And he says the FA needs to start giving itself some in-house options. Now, okay. that hasn't happened. You know, he's saying the England under-21s manager has to be a potential England manager. Yeah. Because that ha- happens elsewhere. The FA appointed Lee Carsley last year, a capable yeah. coach who had a number of previous FA roles. Yeah. But critically, he's Irish. A 40 caps... Republic of oh, Ireland International, I, 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 he's not a potential successor I, to Southgate. I'm not sure that's... Suck session. I'm not sure that's particularly relevant. OK, let's look at that in the rounds. How many domestic jobs in football, which is a full-time career, a full-time job inside a full-time business, run by most of the time business people, have developed a succession programme that ultimately replaces the first team manager? Not very many. What happens is... Brighton could be one, couldn't Well, Brighton is is an example, but Brighton Brighton didn't have a succession programme. Along came um, Chelsea, nicked all their staff, and they went and recruited another manager from overseas in Roberto De Zabi. That's the way it often happens. They took Graham Potter from somebody else, Swansea. So but, most of the time, you're taking it from other environments. Other I get that, creative. but others have a succession plan. Such I mean, I'm who? just thinking, well, as recent as yesterday, Lee Hoos, um, chief executive at Queen's Park Rangers, was on, saying, all right, we had Bill, we lost him. Succession plan. Well, that's not a, that, so then we moved that's, for that's not a succession programme. You a reac- have a plan. No, that's a reaction to circumstances. There's no plan. They didn't lay a plan out of, oh, hang on a second, Michael, Bill's been taken on board, we're now and gone off somewhere else. We're well, now let going. Me, let they looked around, look around the marketplace, which is what the England FA will do. They'll look around the marketplace if Southgate does go, and they'll assess given all the different factors that come into play, who could be the the right person to take the national team forward? But should they not be developing their own coaches to take the national side forward? Well, now the the, the time might be upon us sooner than later. You said moments ago you think Southgate will go, okay, what's the succession plan? Well, again, it becomes a recruitment drive. This this idea of some utopian methodology of succession programmes are are great when you're developing businesses, when you've got producers in here that step up, the next guy steps up beneath them, and it goes on and it goes on, and even that sometimes doesn't work the way you want it to work, does it? So in a football world where ultimately it's a very different landscape, it's a very different scenario, you're not seeing it at domestic level. You're simply not. You gave two examples. They weren't succession programmes. They were recruitment processes brought upon them by circumstances. No, but football does this. Look at football academies. You did it at Palace. Players step up. Why not, why yeah, not managers? But, but, but as again, it goes back to the point. What succession programme are we talking about in the examples you gave? A manager leaves. They didn't take, they didn't take their under-21 or under-18s or under-19 coach. They didn't take the reserve manager. They went and took Neil Critchley out of an assistant manager's job at another football club. That's not a succession programme. That's a, recruit, a recruitment protocol. Now, England were very lucky... Uh, you know, Sam Allardyce fell on his sword for you know for the reasons that were well, were well rehearsed, and Gareth Southgate was an FA man that created no challenges for the FA, created no controversy, played the game. They kind of fell upon Gareth. They fell upon the, Gareth. The, right. the, now, the, so, the you, so, so you could turn around and say, 
And don't forget, we've had this ridiculous situation in the England under-21s where we had A.D. Boothroyd in there before, letting us all know that winning for the England under-21s wasn't particularly important. It was just turning up, getting the players ready to play in the national side and the full side. Whereas once upon a time, when there were previous managers, back in the 70s, when Dave Sexton and people like that were involved in English football, all of the age groups were very important up until the point where they abolished the under-23s. Yeah. And it became a much more compelling set of managers that were managing these 21s, 23s, under-19s, under-20s, whatever it was. Quite a number of messages coming in on this. We might develop this because the other day when Luis Enrique departed the scene with Spain, very disappointing World Cup for them, Spain immediately announced on Friday their under-21 boss, Luis de la Fuente, would take over from Enrique after 10 years of working with the young players. There's something to be said for that. We don't know how he'll do, but he's 61 years of age. He's had a variety of coaching jobs albeit none of them particularly auspicious, and he's been within the confines of the of the Spanish setup for quite some period of time. But they were ready. They yeah. were ready. And, and then they may well be ready, and we'll see. You know, let's, let's not use Spain as some sort of blueprint, because it wasn't so long ago that Juan de la Patuega... How do you pronounce his name? La Patego. La Patego. And that all fell apart when, when, when he was in charge of Spain. So we, we've got a situation where... This idea, this utopian world written by a journalist has probably never run a business, that a succession programme is something that's very easy to create. It's not that easy to create in football because what happens in football is the dynamics change completely in domestic clubs. Now, at international level, Gareth Southgate has done something that other managers have failed to do. And that's not because he, they, he was particularly gifted. It was because they were particularly stupid, which was embrace the media and embrace the media in such a way. Roy Hodgson played a brand of football that everybody loathed and Capello completely didn't get the dynamics of English football and became an authoritative figure without understanding the culture. Now, the challenge now is who do we bring in if Southgate is going to go? Well, that's I, it. I personally think is an argument for him staying and an argument for him going. If you want more of the same then you're going to keep Gareth Southgate in place. It's going to have stability. You're going to have 50% of the people saying it's good, 50% of the people saying it's rubbish, like and your it, poll yesterday. And if you want but, change? And if you want change, you've got time to look around and you should you should have an embarrassment of riches. Now, whether that's an Englishman or whether it's an Argentinian, I don't know. But surely to God, and this is the, this is the bit where, I, where all my argument completely falls down and collapses, is that the English FA should be able to interview someone and identify the exact credentials of all the different facets of this job. Because like like it's been said, mm. you've got to be a diplomat, you've got to be a politician, you've got to be societally aware, yeah. you've got to be a football manager, you've got to be able to manage players in very short spaces of time and being able to get them past the, the challenges they've got at domestic level. So you've got, it's a very unique set of skills. All it's right, like well, Liam Neeson d- out taken. It's a unique <laughs> set of skills. You're 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. But we're talking about this succession plan or lack of it. Why isn't there one? Joey Barton's at a swipe at Southgate. Tony Adams is at a swipe at Southgate. Southgate himself will decide what Southgate's going to do. But Simon, um, when you look at it, seven managers have stepped down or been sacked after their yep. side's exits at the World Cup. Yep. So Brazil's fella disappeared. Van Gaal left the, the Dutch. Martino of Mexico went. Martinez of Belgium went. Yep. Ganazado went. South Korea's Bento went kicking and screaming and Spain's Luis Enrique as we said he disappeared as well but has this World Cup shown that international football is almost as cutthroat as a domestic game when it comes to managers when it comes to time when it comes to patience that's afforded to them well it depends if you think um, rewarding mediocrity is and not being sorry not being prepared to reward mediocrity as we seem to want to do is cutthroat some of these managers were going anyway 
Martinez's contract was out, wasn't it? Van Gaal, Van Gaal just stepped in for this tournament, hadn't he? So yeah. some of these guys, but the bulk of them, you know, Luis Enrique, I mean, who can be pleased with what Spain did? The Brazilians were doing samba dancing last week, expecting to win the World Cup, and they've got turfed out on their ear. Yeah. So there's a consequence for tournament football. And if the culmination of your job as a domestic manager is to win the league or stay in the Premier League or stay in whichever league and you fail on both fronts, you lose your job. And some people would say that's ruthless. Some people would say it's a fact of life. Like any other walk of life, you don't do something very well. The consequences are you don't tend to keep that job. And in this instance, you've got a variety of managers and most of these teams have underachieved. And most of these teams in this World Cup have, have, have been disappointing. And so, and some of these managers had what should have been the case for our manager, which is a contract which ran you up to the end of the tournament, and then you got a pat on the back and rewarded with a new contract if you did a good job. Or you got, you know, the Spanish archer's elbow if you did a bad job. If he didn't have a new contract at this time, Gareth, yeah. would you be behind the FA if they wanted to award him a new one after no. the way things went? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think he's a winner. Uh, I, I think that he's won on certain fronts, which is be able to remove cliques. If you're a sensible person, and some people in football aren't, you know, they aren't sensible, they don't think about things pragmatically, they, they, they get carried away of themselves. If you're a sensible person, and you understand the culture of the country that you're in, and you understand the challenges, if you've got cliques inside your inside an England camp, then remove them, find a way to resolve them. If, you, if the media are a problem, communicate better with the media. These are all good things, and he's done them well. But what we wanted to see was a team capable of winning tournaments. I'm not decrying the opposition. I'm not suggesting that Croatia were a bunch of mugs when we got beat by them in 2018 and the Italians were useless and so on and so forth and we've got this God-given right to roll over them. But I do think that we keep on snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. So with that in mind, Gareth Southgate to me, and I've said it and you've, and you've brought it up on a number of occasions, I've called him four-leaf clover boy because I think he's had the draws that have afforded him the luxury of looking at a resume that makes him look very good in terms of, well, you know, hang on a second, no England manager's got to a semi-final and a final in two tournaments in a row. Right. Actually, we've got to remember that. But then no England manager, I don't think, has had this kind of fortuitous circumstances uh-huh. where teams have been in decline, opposition have been poor, and even when we got to the World Cup in 2018, they're playing the Colombians who were meant to be a challenge. Their best players were injured. And whatever we dress this French came up as, and however, however we turn around and say we put in a good shift, they were a depleted French side. We forget that. Of course. Of course. No Benzema. No no, no Kante. No, you know, no whether, Pogba. Whether, whether you think Pogba's an asset or not is a different discussion. So Carragher this morning, Jimmy Carragher's one saying this morning, whoever succeeds Southgate, if Southgate goes, it's got to be English. You and that can't. Are you now, are, are you now like, spending a well, bit more? Well, in an ideal world, you would like someone to be able to relate to the culture that they come from because there are unique foibles and peculiarities about everybody's culture. You know, you, you, you wouldn't expect an English manager to go over and manage the Argentinian national side, would you? And so it has never happened. So it's kind of curious that given that we and the Scots gave the world the game... Um, and subsequently, we ultimately dominate the domestic landscape in terms of all football um, uh, riches and comparisons across any league, whether it's in South America or in Europe. Uh, yet we can't seem to have this consistent chain of managers that we can recruit from. But, but, I mean, and I think it's a cultural thing. I do. I think, yeah, I think, Sam, I think we're lazy in this country at times. But if Pochettino and Tuchel were to be in the mix... Tuchel will never get a job. Never get a but job. But if they were to be in the mix, surely that would put to bed any kind of little Englander mentality around this. Well, I don't know why it's a little Englander. I, I don't think it's a little Englander mentality to well, want somebody that's actually... English and only English. No, I don't think that's right. I think, well, look at the Spanish. The Spanish... You want the best for the job. You always well, well, yeah, Of course I do. So in an ideal world, I would want someone indigenous... That doesn't make me a little Englander. It makes me realistic that you'd like someone that understands the landscape, the country, the culture, the attitude, the outlook, the importance, the gravity, and the relationship that football has with the media 
and of course, more importantly, the fans. So I'd want someone to be completely conversant with that. And I'd want them to be able to, because we know, we've watched it, whether I've agreed with it or not, Gareth Southgate has been forced into a position where he's been able to have, been having to communicate. So we really don't want to get into a territory where someone's a good manager but can't communicate like Unai Emery suffered from when he was at Arsenal. Right. He, and he got parodied and ridiculed yeah, yeah. and taken down, yeah, yeah. all because he couldn't communicate the way he'd want him to. Sure. And, you, and you go out there, I don't see us, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you'll be able to bring out some examples. I don't see other football countries around the world feeling the need to have to run around. I know the Belgians have just done it with Martinez, so you can say, well, there's a contradiction in terms, Simon. But I'm talking about Spanish or the Italians or the Germans or the South Americans. They recruit people to manage their team, their national team, from within the confines of their own population and their own coaching framework. If we sat here today, and here's the fallback that we have the problem with, all of us, Carragher, everybody. If it ain't Southgate, who is it? It's not going to be too cool. You know, Tuchel's private life probably is lots of the reasons why he finds himself in the difficulties that he's had at Chelsea. And I don't think the FA are going to bring somebody along with potential baggage that we've been led to believe that Thomas Tuchel might have had at Chelsea. So with that in mind, where are you la- where are you landing at? Pochettino. I think Pochettino would index himself to anything right now just to keep himself on people's lips. I don't see why he'd want the England manager's job. But that gets us back to square one. Succession plan. Lack but, of. But they've got one. Put Lee Carson in charge then. He's the England 21 manager. He's if, Irish. If, well, does, does, yeah, okay, I get that. You know, Martin O'Neill managed the Republic of Ireland. He was Northern Irish. He managed to get over that, right? And again, I go back to the original. He understands the United Kingdom. If I want to broaden it out for the purpose of his argument, I'd rather prefer him to be English. But he understands the UK. He understands the culture of this country. Played enough in here, you know, been around enough. But again, look at it and say, is it going to be good enough? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon is with me. You're doing well, Mr. Jordan. The throat is holding out. <laughs> yes. Now, against the Premier League's wishes, 
The government have U-turned for the second time and will now unveil its plan for an independent football regulator in the new year. Liz Truss, I remember her, she was set to dismiss the findings of the fan-led review by MP Tracy Crouch, but after her resignation, Rishi Sunak's cabinet will now legislate for the regulator. So it's all change again. The question is this, how much of a game changer could this be for English football? In a moment, we're going to speak to the chief exec of Fair Game. He is Nal Cooper. But it was just a year ago last week, Simon, in this very studio, the chief exec of Aston Villa, Christian Perslow, had joined us and he was adamant that football didn't need an independent regulator. I don't think the problem lies in the Premier League. The solution lies with the Premier League. It's the it is That's the everything right. good in English football sits in the Premier League. Right. Okay. And and so can we work with Tracy to try and fix some of the problems further down the pyramid? Of course we can. Do we need to appoint somebody? Take a year to find them. Give them a name regulator. Probably not. We've got an FA, we've got Rick Parry at the FL, we've got Richard Masters. These are highly experienced people. They can probably figure it out. No, they haven't. They haven't figured it out. Now's going to join us live in a second. Yeah. Where, are you st- where are you standing with this at the moment, Simon? I don't think an independent regulator or regulators for stop are particularly good things in most commercial businesses. But I do think football deserves a regulator because I think the behaviour of football clubs and the football authorities and the the, the, the de facto a regulator should be the FA, but they're they're not competent. They're not good enough. They've got to restructure themselves completely. They don't seem to have an appetite to do it. Um, Christian Perslow is a hypocrite because the Premier League don't run English football. The Premier League look after themselves. And not all good things land in the Premier League. The one thing that is that consistent in the Premier League is avarice. And that certainly isn't a good thing. The Premier League's sole focus, having been in there, is money, money, money and more money. Now that's a purifier, concentrates everyone's minds. But the problem is, is that this the Premier League isn't the sum of the entire isn't the entire sum of English football. It consists of twenty clubs in it, and there are another seventy two, plus the whole litany of non league football clubs and an infrastructure in this country that is far more compelling than just twenty football clubs. So I think English football. I listened to Cam Brady talking about the other day about if it ain't broke, sort of don't fix sort of mentality. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it kind of deserves it. I am absolutely against the idea, having read the 163-page report and spent the two or three hours it took to read it and never getting those three hours back again, and seeing some of the ridiculousness of licensing and ratcheting up board requirements and all these different things that are going to be in place, I'm not for it. But I actually think football's brought it upon itself. OK, well, why do we need it? The proposed regulator would take over responsibility for monitoring club sales, checks on owners, directors from the leagues. It would also uh, have the responsibility for much of the disciplinary work at present undertaken by the FA and the leagues. That's why we need it. Now, Cooper, you've been campaigning for it. You happy now? I'm just not over the line yet. Let's let's be clear about that. I mean, it's, it's a, a, a nice article. It's good to read, offered a bit of hope, but it's not signed done and dusted um and that's that's the bit that we go yeah i'm I'm happy that we're moving in the right right direction i think football has needed this for quite a long time and as you say the 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 football authorities haven't actually delivered they've had a chance to do this for what 60 odd years um you know when it was first mooted um and it hasn't happened so i think we really need to look at taking it away from them and giving it to someone else i mean i think we all would agree that the fa in a dream world would be the regulator but at the moment they're not there yet and they need to do a lot of internal reforms and kind of make sure that they they free themselves from vested interest and then we would get a regulator that looks after and protects the uh, 
you know the kind of history and traditions of clubs the yeah, badge yeah. the kind of all the rest of it you, you, and, you're, you're chief executive fair game and you've been yep. for it now but there are there are those who have their own views on it um i've got a message there the epl the efl the fa are sleepwalking into this their inability to get anywhere near agreement the premier league are the problem here is that right and the Premier League could be doing a lot more, uh, definitely. Uh, I think when I think when you talked about it, the Premier League is a fantastic organisation looking after the clubs of the Premier League. Um, they are not having that holistic view about thinking about the rest of the game, and that's kind of clearly where they where they've been. So I think you need to look at moving it away from those sort of decisions away from the Premier League to have that proper holistic view about everything else. Um, and that's the difference. You know, you've got an organisation whose raison d'etre isn't the holistic support of the football pyramid, isn't the holistic support of clubs in, you know, lower half the championship, League One, League Two, the National League, your local community club. That isn't in their, that isn't in their ethos. And, but that's fine. That's what they were set up for. So it means if you're looking for a solution for football, then it doesn't lie with the Premier League. No. I um, mean, somebody's got to change though, Simon, hasn't well, it? Well, I mean, 90 I mean, now's right. Well, yes and no. 90% of what's being done or being proposed for an independent regulator has already been done by the EFL around sustainability, about fit and proper persons test, about owner models, and about all of the different p policing exercises that come into play. The only question that lays that lies unanswered is about the disproportionate level of of, of um, distribution. Ninety-one percent of broadcast revenues in this country go to twenty clubs. Nine percent goes to the other seventy-two, and the leagues below. And if you believe an independent regulator is going to come in and level that up, then you're away with yourself because it will unwind the fabric of the Premier League. If you start redistributing on the basis of what a regulator should do, which is fairness of distribution, you're going to start talking about 25 30% of broadcast revenues being distributed into the pyramid and you're going to unwind the fibre of the Premier League. Yeah, but, uh, You're going to have murders. Yeah, but if, if, it's if it's legislation coming in here, in other words, it's by law, then the Premier League can't stop it. I didn't say it could but you're then unwinding the fibre and fabric of the Premier League and its financing. And that's what... Though, that... though Simon, the point with that is, is it wrong to say you need to unwind it? And the reason why I say that is because, you know, you're talking about the support structure for the lower league clubs. And I think it need, would need to come with some sort of actual caveat about how you distribute. Well, of course, it, of course. But uh, that doesn't alter the fact. I, I, if, you cannot redistribute without the caveat saying that it governs properly. We can all get that message because otherwise you'll just be redistributing more money into the leagues to be equal, equally as profligate with it as you've been in the first place. So no, I 100% agree. So you, so unless, Simon, unless you're going to underpin Simon, it with that. Us, Simon, I think that's for us is the big agreement. I think that's the one thing that we're missing from from what we propose about the independent regulator if you've got a regulator it needs to have that ability to redistribute by awarding clubs that are actually doing those things right because if you start incentivizing clubs to do the kind of things about good governance financial sustainability that's where you will see culture change that's the bit from a fair game perspective that's missing from the independent regulator or being spelt out properly at the moment and you that's where i think the premier league actually could be much more proactive they could say right actually if we are going to redistribute if we are looking at upping that funds then we're going to be putting this kind of caveat of saying well actually it needs to be done on these levels that's where the premier league could look at doing something quite but it won't even be their different. gift if an independent regulator determines that's where i think if you're so the premier, league, the, the premier league are not the, ta the ta premier league are not the dog or the tail they're just a mechanism that at its moment in time is allowed because the fa has been a neutered dog despite the fact it had the ability to be able to 
have the final vote, somewhere along the line, the FA decided that they would let the Premier League be the people that run English football. So when a regulator coming, I don't, I don't agree with an independent regulator. I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think the, the comparison to Ofcom. I don't think the comparison to Ofcom is, is relevant because we're talking about financial. Just at the centre of all of this. It's not just about governance, it's about financial redistribution. And the Premier League and English football are stupid to allow this to happen because what they should have done is been able to negotiate a deal which basically negated the need for an independent regulator. And the EFL, but the, but the then, Premier League haven't wanted to do that. The EFL no, wanted and, to do and, that and, and we've and, been waiting and, for and that they may, for the and, they, and they may well do it now. Niall is absolutely right. This is not a done deal. This is a long way from a done deal. This is another stage, another step. Politicians play to the gallery and football That's, and its currency is useful for them. But that, I think it's exactly what's happening now, Simon. I, I totally agree with you. But I think this is, this is a plane to the gallery and this is an, an opportunity. I mean, the other thing is when you look at the EFL, the EFL's voting structure is weighted so heavily towards the top end of the championship that a deal between the EFL and the Premier League actually doesn't do very much for the lower end of the pyramid at all. Well, um, I, I, don't, I have to say, Niall, having been in that divisions for, for a period of time, it had to be redistributed because otherwise you'd have clubs at the very bottom of the pyramid determining the outcomes for clubs at the top of the EFL pyramid. And it was completely unwieldy, unrealistic for a club like, with due respect, Accrington, to tell a club like Crystal Palace, whose financial landscape was completely different, what it could and couldn't accept. And some of the deals that were done in football as a result of the needs of the club at the bottom of the pyramid, dramatically compromised football clubs at the top of the EFL pyramid, such as things like the Elite Player Performance Programme, where compensation rights were given up by clubs because they were given a solidarity payment from the Premier League, which ultimately has cost football clubs millions of pounds in compensation for young players. Simon, I agree with you a whole load of that. And I think the actual the, the way it should be structured, again, goes back to looking at the criteria about how you redistribute. Because I think there is an element of clubs that are lower end in League One, League Two, who actually are well-run clubs, just not I getting agree. the incentive to do I so. Agree. So I think you need to look at that whole financial redistribution. I think that's the big bit that is missing from this. And it's the bit where I think the Premier League and the EFL actually are going to really struggle to agree. I mean, is it going to be a game changer this now? How much of a game changer is this going to be? The big thing, I think, depends about exactly what Simon and I are agreeing on, which is how you do that financial redistribution. If you start using the framework of the fan review as an incentive for redistribution, a way of looking at how you redistribute, then it could be a massive game changer. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.